Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they all remember that old saying, power corrupts. Second Officer Slog, episode 33. I am your host, M, and with me is my number one, Jackson. Hello, I'm here to talk about Star Trek. Star Trek time. It's Star Trek it time. has been a while. It always feels like it's been a while, but next last episode we didn't watch any Star Trek, so it no, definitely felt it's like it's actually a while. been a while this time. Like we watched, I watched Star Trek this week for to prep for this episode. I'm like, oh right, Star Trek. I should get back into Star Trek. Yeah, we will. We are. It's happening. We are. Yeah. Once a month until we all die. <laughs> Yep, when we'll finally be up to like Destiny Part Two. <laughs> God. Yep. Yep. Uh, so if you don't know, this episode we're watching the TNG episodes Redemptions Part One and Two, and reading the book The Left Hand of Destiny Book One. Um, so Redemption Part One and Two, we will explicitly talking about TNG stuff. Uh, probably just limited to that actually. But then Left Hand of Destiny spoilers for the end of DS Nine and all of TNG and DS9 readily apparent because we got to talk about some fucking Klingons, people. We got to talk about some Klingons. Uh, but it is, yep. it, it is not the, chronologically, it comes before all the other um, DS9 reboot um, yes. episodes we've done. So like, if you have not listened to the episodes on like the Mission Gamma stuff, you're fine. If you just have watched Star Trek and are jumping into this podcast, then you'll be fine. Yes, but if you don't know what happens at the end of DS9, you're going to find out. <laughs> you're going to extremely find out. So that's what we got going on. Uh, I, there's no real Star Trek news, uh, you know. Stuff's happening, but I don't remember anything that's like announced and important enough to talk about here. Really, I'm really looking forward to Discovery. I, I'm jonesing for it. Uh, I'm ready. It's been a year. Yeah. Yeah, it's been too long. This is why I don't watch shows that are still running. <laughs> I imagine over a year between episodes. Uh, yeah. It's hard. I mean, Discovery ended in like March, February. So, yep. Also, all the news that happened happened at the big like Star Trek con a couple months ago. Yeah, there's so. another one coming up. I think mm-hmm. there's another thing where things will be announced coming up in like a month or two, if I remember correctly. But at some point, what we left behind will have to drop. Oh right, yeah, that too. I mean, that's uh, that's gonna take as long as everyone will let it. They want it out this year, which means it'll release well, yeah. on December thirty first, probably. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm really excited for that. Not really Star Trek news, but we'll probably watch it and talk about it. We'll watch so. it and talk about it. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, I'm really excited to see HD DS9 footage. Me too. I saw. I went and found the clip of the HD like scene. Yeah. Uh, and God, it looks good. Yeah. I didn't realize that that show is in 169 because they filmed it like with that space on like mostly. They did they do that the whole time, or is it something where they they did it later? I think it's from like, season three onwards, is what they said. Okay. Cool. Um, but yeah, they definitely did the, the thing that I know, like yeah. a bunch of shows around in the nineties did, where they filmed for sixty nine, but also for four three. Yeah, because all you gotta do is tape off the viewfinder, and it's fine. I assume that is not true of any of the effect shots. Yeah, no, the effect shots would have to be redone, but they redid most of the effect shots for the TNG one. They're never going to spend the money to do this. The TNG one was like a folly money pit. <laughs> 
And that's a show that like everyone likes. Yes. Not just a bunch of really loud people on the internet. Yeah. I know Iris Stephen Bear really wants it to happen, but that ain't it, Chief. It's just not going to be the thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, I'd watch DS9 again if they put in HD, but they're not going to do it. No, they're not going to do it. It's so ex- I can't even imagine how expensive that is. Uh, I would, oh God, I would love it. What if they just did it, but they like aired DS9 again? Just one a, one a week. For no seven one years. would see it because no one has television. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. No. They, they, they have to get like Netflix to pay for it, I guess. Right? Oh, Netflix is already feeling owned by how they had to pay for so much of Discovery. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's it. That's enough vamping on that. I guess let's talk about these episodes. episodes this week are two episodes called Redemption, which is the two-parter in TNG, the final episode of Season 4 and Season 5. The first one is just Redemption, episode 26 of Season 4. It first aired on the 17th of June, 1991. It was written by Ronald... You were not a person yet, right? What? You were not a person yet. No, I was not a person. 19th of November, You're 1993, right? Yes. So only yeah. a single season of Star Trek aired while I was... Uh, TNG aired while I was alive. My brother was an infant. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and written by Ronald D. Moore and directed by Cliff Bowl. It takes place in 2367. Um, what happens in Redemption? So Picard is going to Konos to fulfill his role as the Arbiter uh, of Succession because of all the stuff that happened in Reunion, where he got to choose who the next Emperor was. Um, they're like, this is a good time for Worf to regain his uh, honor as House of Moog, because if you remember correctly... The Duras family had the House of Moog take the fall for betraying the Klingons to the Romulans during the Kittimer Massacre. Um, and now when Gowron is made uh, Chancellor, they can clear all that up because Gowron owes Worf a big one by making him Chancellor. <laughs> sure does. You know, uh, they are intercepted by the Klingon ship, the Bortos, uh, which is Gowron on the ship. He is here. He's like, you have to help me prevent a civil war. Is this the first episode where we see the big new, like, TNG Klingon command ship? Or is that in Reunion? I, Do you know? I don't know. It might be in Reunion, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, this is my favorite design of Klingon ship, mm-hmm. outside of the Bird of Prey, I think. Because mm-hmm. um, the Bird of Prey got movie money spent on it, so it looks amazing. One of the best Star Trek ships ever made. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Gowron is like, oh, the House of Duras did not take kindly to being left off the throne and their head murdered. And now they've amassed a large fleet. They're here to start shit. Um, they're like the corruption of the Klingon Empire is too widespread. And they're just going to like elbow their way in and kill Gowron if Picard does not help. They are being led by the Duras sisters, Lursa and Bator, 
who are honestly probably some of the best characters in TNG. <laughs> oh, I love them. I love them. Um, they can't serve on the council ever because you, if you're a woman, you can't serve on the council. Discovery has things to say about this, but whatever. Let's not talk about it. Um, uh, uh, Undiscovered Country has things to say about this. That's true, too. You're right. Which is, like, being um, made concurrently. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he wants the Federation to help him basically put down this insurrection and instill him into power. And Picard's like, we have to follow the letter of the law. We are the Federation. And Gowron's like, that's not going to be good enough. We're Klingons. Um, gosh, what happens? Uh, <laughs> so Gowron's, Gowron, what? Gowron's like, I won't. He says he won't help him, right? He's like, no. I'm not oh, you know, Picard him. in this episode is all like, nope, fuck you. I will do exactly my duty as the Arbiter of Succession, but I will not intervene. You know, uh, so when they get to the High Council Chamber, they find out that uh, the Duras sisters have an heir. That's uh, uh, Duras's son, right? What's that fucking kid's name? Oh, he's like something. Um, begins with T. Taral. Taral. Yes. Taral. Yes, he is the illegitimate son of Duras. Meanwhile, Worf goes to Kern, his brother, and is like, Kern, please swear all your ships to me. We must do the right thing and protect Gowron if this comes to a civil war. And Kern, being the most, like, owned Klingon in history, is like, yes, I will do whatever you say. You are the elder brother, even though he knows this is the bad play. Uh, and the whole Duras argument is, hey, we are uh, we are the, clearly the people... In power, we're the right ones. We should be the ones to do this. Everyone likes us more than Gowron. Gowron was instilled by the Federation. This is the Federation trying to meddle and cling on politics. And they're right, except for the fact that the Duras are bad guys who work with the Romulans. And this is like a weird Romulan plot to destabilize the Klingon Empire. And we're like told that they are corrupt. And I guess shown that through the Romulans. But aside from just being told they're the bad guys, they don't say anything that's wrong. I mean, Galron literally was handpicked by a Federation captain and the Klingon guy who killed the other challenger to the throne and instilled in power. If that's not corruption, I don't know what it is. Yeah, like, the, the Federation are in the wrong here. Yes. Anyway, uh, this is all kicking off and being weird. No one really knows where loyalties lie or what's going to happen when the war pops off. And then Worf's like, Picard, I need you to reveal all the information about Duras's family. And Picard's like, uh, Picard says no originally and then says yes, right? But it doesn't matter by that Picard point. Picard says he will not give it to Wolf, but he will just make it public for everyone that I'm not intervening. Yes. Because Picard is, like, in this episode, just so much ignoring everything he's doing so long as it confines to, like, the letter of what he's meant to do. Yes. And just kind of being kind of cowardly about everything. Yeah. Uh, so then the war actually kicks off and then Gowron comes to Picard for aid and he's like, we have a, a treaty. We are in a problem. Like, we need your help. Uh the Duras family has conspired with Romulans in the past. They probably have done that in this situation. And Picard's like, I don't have any proof of that. This is an internal matter. It's against the prime directive, even though the prime directive does not fucking apply to this once again. And Picard's like, nope, washing my hands and just flies away. Uh, Worf's like, fuck this. I'm going to stay. And the only way he can stay is if he resigns. And so he resigns and goes to become a Klingon warrior. Everyone gives him a very emotional send off as he leaves. And then Picard fucks off like a coward. Uh, <laughs> and then we cut to the very end where the Dora sisters are like, yes, this is all going exactly as planned. And then a Romulan steps out of the shadows and it is a weird blonde human looking Romulan. It is Sila who we know as because we've all seen this before is the daughter of Tashi R from yesterday's enterprise, but we'll get into that. We will sure get into that. Yeah. Um, but that is how that episode ends. I, 
are we going to choose to do them together or do we want to talk about part one no part we two? should do them separate because they're so fucking different <laughs> yeah because this, they are real victims of the uh tng's approach to cliffhanger two-parters which is they write one in february and they write the other one in july and no one plans anything <laughs> yeah uh even though after best of both worlds they always knew they were coming yeah um because uh yeah so i really i really like redemption um part one uh i was surprised at how much it was just like a z- no stakes politics game everyone always attributes that to being ds9 but i guess run was on his bullshit all the time yes uh which is which is good fun uh and i like that i think that actually kind of plays better in some ways than it does in ds9 here because you it's not just stuff being bad right it's, you literally get to see picard being a coward about everything just yeah Picard comes in and he's like oh i will do exactly as you asked to like meddle in klingon affairs until you ask too much of me and then i'm gonna hide behind my fucking rule book and fly away like it's muddier in ds9 when cisco does that and when it's just a bunch of shitty klingons and shitty bjorns all yeah. fighting each other and also like cisco can't fly away like he lives there he Picard does not give a fuck about these people yeah no you just get to see the best of the federation be the like most selfish awful like diplomat hiding behind these rules to pretend that he's doing a good thing like you know even so like the ultimate victory is oh yay gowan can get instilled in power like yes we're all fighting for something that's dumb but you can't wash your hands of these things you made these choices you have to back them obviously i'm not saying that instilling a like instilling a leader on the um klingons is still bad but then you don't even fucking like back that up with any words like beyond your words like the stakes the stakes of the show are that the duras will probably end the federation klingon alliance uh because they are sympathetic to the romulans which is shown to be true to us and picard still is like nope we're not gonna interfere in this we will blow up the like one stabilizing factor that distinguishes tng from tos uh because i don't want to get my hands dirty yep um and yeah so the only things that like start getting everyone moving are this like self-interest balance power stuff because it's in basically an entire chess game between the romulans the klingons and the federation everyone jockeying yep. for some kind of power um you know you know very regular star trek cold war metaphor tried and tested stuff <laughs> um this episode has the really great scene where Worf and gynan target practice worth yes. shouting out yes uh it it uh because she she's like, oh, I'll come down to your like practice level. Because he's like, I do level fourteen. And she's like, I guess I can come down to fourteen. And just schools him. Uh, but then there's like a scene where she's talking about Klingon stuff, uh, and uh, she's like, Worf, why are you so uptight? I never hear you laugh. And he's like, Klingons do not laugh. And Guinan literally just is like, you are full of shit. You are the most full of shit anyone's ever been. <laughs> Klingons, Klingons laugh Klingons all are like the, time. the happiest people in space. You idiot. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes, Well, I do not laugh. <laughs> Which is true. He does not. Not yet. Uh, this is There's a note in this going like that uh, Gaiden has made Worf laugh before. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, let me see if I can find this note in the thing and uh, what Memory Alpha says about when it's happened. Um, Good. She actually mm. made him laugh in the opening scene of Yesterday's Enterprise after she said that there are some women aboard the Enterprise D who might find him tame. <laughs> oh, yes. I remember that scene. It's good. It's a good scene because uh, Because Gynan Gynan totally would fucking flirt with Worf. Absolutely. Oh, anytime I think anything about Guinan flirting, I just think of that one scene with her and Riker. Yep. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's such a good scene. <laughs> uh, Lurus and Vitor are better villains than this show deserves because they could be really interesting as like 
interested parties in like creating a new Klingon empire. Like basically the plot of stuff that's in Discovery. Like, oh, humans are meddling in the Empire's affairs. Like maybe Duras himself was a fuck up who sucked, but we actually think that like the theories behind his things were good. We want Klingon Empire for the Klingons and not Earth picking who our leaders are. Yep. Uh, but instead they are just like cartoon villains. <laughs> and it's a real shame. Yeah, it is a bummer because they're very cool. Um and in this part, they're very competent. Yes, though they are still shown as clearly being lapdogs, the Romulans, which sucks because the Romulans, I'm sorry, Romulans are all bark and no bite in terms of interest. Like, I know the Romulans don't matter. Yep. Like, they don't, when the Romulans are involved, you know, they're never actually going to commit to a Romulan plot. And they, had, they haven't yet, right? Like, no. the, the two times they've come close have been in bad, I bad mean, movies. Like, they, they continue to hold off on pulling the trigger to a Romulan plot until Romulus fucking explodes. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yep, all, all the show gets cancelled. Yep. They, they didn't even pull the ro- trigger on the Romulus plot in the timeline that said there will be a Romulus plot here and you can't avoid it. <laughs> yeah. That is how much Star God, Trek right. refuses to, like, do the Romulan stuff. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like... Th- discovery is a much better version of a lot of these ideas in the end yeah uh, um, but i, I like it's weird because like discovery is much messier like this is a much better written show than discovery yes. is pretty much all the time but this show i feel like coming back to tng it's clear that tng is like a show that is accidentally really critical of the politics it espouses yep well Part it gives you situations that. to really pull it apart, and clearly the people writing it think it's the fucking wokest thing in the world. Yeah, I don't think that Ronald D. Moore, writing this, like, actually believes that Picard is in the wrong here. Yeah. I think he thinks that this is all difficult situations and alliances being tested and stuff. Um, I don't know what he thinks, actually. You know, I haven't seen Battlestar when he was able to go all out on his bullshit, right? Like, <laughs> uh, It's bad, is what I can tell you. It's fucking bad. Uh, so I don't, I don't actually know how like his like work breaks down politically outside of the Star Trek formula, but um, yep. it, I don't get the sense that you are meant to watch this and like from a leftist perspective and think that Picard's being an imperialist idiot. Um, but we sure do. We sure do. Because uh, then we get to part two, which are. Uh, is. Oh, the one thing oh. before we get into part two, worth noting, this is true of pretty much every TNG two-parter. When they write the end of the season, they don't know what the beginning of the next season's story is going to be. No. They write this first parter with no idea what's coming next. Which is just, which always leads to things where the story is complete in the first half. Because yeah. the story... It tells a really good setup that will immediately get walked back with boring bullshit. Because the story of Best of Both Worlds isn't Picard becoming a Borg it's Riker becoming captain, right? Like, that is what that the guy has said. Like, that's what the story is. And then he makes the... He says fire, and that's the end of the story. And then the next episode has no story. Like, none. Part two is a nothing yeah. episode. It's, it is It is. It is. 40 minutes of people backpedaling as hard as possible. <laughs> it, it's one of the least... It's, n- it's not one of the worst en- episodes of the show because it doesn't even have enough in it to be bad. It's just yeah. empty. Um, yeah. To, to the point where the stuff with the stuff with him and Shelby is good. That's it. That's literally all that's there. Yeah, to the point where the writers had to beg the like the pretty conservative producing like staff to uh, give them another episode to actually do something. Yep. Uh, so that leads us into the the sequel in terms of two parters to the best of both worlds: Redemption Part Two. Yep. Uh, this is the first episode of season five. It aired the 23rd of September, 1991. Of course, written by Ronald D. Moore, directed by David Carson. This takes place in 2368. Yes, time has moved forward a little bit. 
I think they say two months. I think it's two months, yeah. Story. Yeah. That checks out. Implied that those are a busy fucking two months. <laughs> it sure is. So, Jackson, tell me what happens. Hilariously, on Memory Alpha, the picture of this episode is just the Klingon map painting, but on fire, which I think represents everything. <laughs> that know. shot, I remember that shot when I watched the show the first time, but that shot is so much crazier in the HD version. Yes. Uh, because the because they've just got, they've basically just taken the map painting, cut some holes out of it. And, yeah, and then put fire effects yeah, behind those yeah, holes. Put live action fire footage behind it and uh, lay a bit of smoke over the top. Uh, and it just looks crazy. <laughs> um, so there's a lot going on in this episode. There's a lot of plots, a lot of things to take care of. Uh, um, should I summarize everything as it goes? So I try to like put the plots together. Just do your best. I did my best. Okay. Uh, so we begin uh, Worf's ser- serving with Kern. Uh, the Klingon War is going very badly for Gowron's side. Um, and, yes. and Picard is like, we need to do something. Because that happened off screen. He decided that he has morals now. Uh, he's like, because this is the second part of the episode and there can't be any conflict when it gets to the end. He's like, we have to do something. The Romulans are, this is like clearly a Romulan uh, plot to help the Klingons. And it is in our best self-interest to like stop this from happening. And uh, Starfleet Command is like, well, you say that, but where's the proof? And how do we like... Uh, intervene in the Klingon affair without coming off as evil and their solution is like a blockade of 22 ships along the Romulan border with like a, a invisible tachyon beam that can detect if something cloaked goes through it. It can't like find the ship but it can prove that a cloaked vessel goes through. Um, which is weird because space is not flat but whatever. Uh... <laughs> yeah, they can just go above these. <laughs> Like, I feel like Star outside of Wrath of Khan, like explicitly, Star Trek has no idea that space is three dimensions. But like, there's 22 ships forming an entire like network along the Romulan Star Empire border is insane yeah. plotting. <laughs> yeah, what does that even mean? Um, so uh, while this is happening, two other main plots arise from this. Uh, we have so Wolf's just doing a thing, fighting uh, with Kern. Doesn't really get much going on. He has one night, one scene where he's like in a Klingon um, bar. Then the war's been going on so long that no one gives a fuck anymore, and it's just uh, people who are on different sides of the war drinking together and laughing about how they will kill each other in battle for It's one of the most broadest portrayals of like Klingon stuff. Yeah, we are, we are, we are literally, we are told, oh, the war has gone so long now. When we're here, we are all brothers together in this terrible conflict that we never see that has just been presented to us as like a fact, but never backed up and doesn't really jive with the rest of TNG. Nope. It's yeah, it's very broad and very just out of the blue. Um, the other plots are so while they're along the Romulan border, two things happen. One, they need to like send a bunch of officers to command all these ships for plot reasons, because apparently they don't all have captains. Um, which means that like Riker goes uh, to one ship, the Forge is on another one, apparently, um, which is weird. Like it's a lot of other characters you could say are acting captains before Geordi, but that's fine. I guess that's okay. Uh, don't trust Geordi to captain a ship; he might fuck it. Um, that's a TNG reference. I was, <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. I 
Um, where's the thing? Yes, right. So uh, he's signing these orders, and then Data's like, "Why don't I get one? I'm like really high on the ship. I'm the second officer." Uh, and Picard's like, uh, "Oh, I, I mean, you're an android, so uh, I, I, here you go. Here's your, here's your command." And we get the Data's a captain plot, and obviously there's someone who's like racist against androids because of course there is, and he's like, "I don't believe in your ability to command the ship." And Data's like, "Well," uh, <laughs> and it's a really good line where he's like, um, "Permission to speak freely." He says all that, and he requests reassignment and then it's like uh that that is fine request denied uh which is the best moment of that whole plot line um the other plot line is that while they're on the border uh sailor needs to talk to picard and be like why aren't you moving but really picard needs to know why the fuck um denise crosby is back in the show which has requires an incredibly funny scene where guyan has to try to summarize uh, an alternate universe that no one including her remembers she only remembers like through some intuit empathy uh sorry em- em- empathetic intuition wrong way around those words uh and has to like explain vague alternate universes to recap the plot of yesterday's enterprise for people who haven't watched it it is incredibly like awkward to sit through uh, because star trek plotting but that gets out the way and they um picard and sailor have a chat and picard tries to like work out who she is and that seems it's kind of weird because they have that chat no what happens is she literally walks in and says i bet you want to know who i am and then tells him and then he's like but what about and she's like you want to meet my mother no she's dead yeah and then and then he goes well fair enough this won't change anything and walks out <laughs> yes <laughs> Uh, and we'll, it get, do- we'll talk about it when we're done summarizing because fucking and it doesn't oh. it never comes up again and they never do anything with her sailor oh god mad about the romulans constantly i mean they do more of sailor but none of it is good <laughs> they don't do anything with sailor of like import she's in more episodes she is the main driving force of unification it's just also a really bad two-parter <laughs> she's not she's just there there's literally a scene where like they run into her office and spock's there and they have to like fight her basically with like words though yeah no i know but they finally have a romulan who they have like a personal connection to it could be like a jumping off point for like actually bringing the romulans into the plot never never do it no remember the romulan commander so long ago uh or on the on the defiant no the romulan commander on the fucking bounds of terror it really hasn't got better than balance of terror has it in terms of no it really is not um god uh so that's basically the bulk of the episode um picard moves the like moves the net to try to um like say well we're going to pretend that this ship's got a malfunction and then we'll move the net in this direction so they'll probably sleep through here but then we'll be able to get the net back up and catch them uh so then it cuts immediately to the romulan side where a moron like a romulan is just going ah they've got a malfunction clearly we should go through there and sailor to prove that she is the competent one looks at him like you're an idiot that's obviously a trap and you're a fool uh we will go through here instead. And they go through, uh, and they're going to get away with it because um, Picard's calling all the ships back to this other position. But wait, what's this? Uh, Data could figure out what's wrong and does and orders like... while Pic- So Picard's ordering them all to move back, but Pic- Data ignores this order and orders them to do some like science stuff that's risky in a bunch of ways that could like flood the ship with radiation. So everyone thinks he doesn't care about everyone. But luckily it works and they stop the Romulans and the Romulans are like, damn, we're spotted. Uh, let's not fight this war. It's not even worth it. There's a war waged without a single shot and they all back off. Uh, but the important part is that Data completely disobeys Picard for no fucking reason other than to have a bit of drama in the final act when he could just go 
to like talk to Picard and go, hang on, if I do this, I think it'll work. There's no implication that the Romulans are like listening oh, to Oh, you mean the thing he does literally every other episode of the show? Yes. And Picard's like, yeah, go right ahead. You're the robot. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, like, and the the plot line culminates in a conversation with Dan and Picard where Picard's like, well, you're out there in space and I'm the commander and you made the decision and it all worked out. That is what being a captain means. And, like, that is true. Like, that is obviously true of Star Trek. You picked a stupid way to like, uh, communicate that because there is no reason for him to not just tell him what he was doing but also literally the first part of this two-part is predicated on Picard hiding behind the letter of the law instead of like doing the right thing yeah and this isn't presented as like a you did what I couldn't thing it's not set up no as a foil it is to Picard that. moralizing the correct thing even when they contradict each other in two consecutive episodes <laughs> if it was like data becoming the version of Picard that Picard couldn't be in the first episode that would be interesting man that'd make me like data a lot more than I do no. as like a person re-watching Star Trek instead he just like does his law voice to the other android uh and never explains I'm going to do the good thing he's like ignoring everyone for no reason and like the Memory Alpha stuff says that, like, oh, he's, he's emulating Picard, who would just command things and expect his, uh, like, um, officers to follow, which is not true. I feel like when that people... Is, yeah, that's absolutely not what Picard does. And in fact, every time where he does do it, it's called out as being a weird thing. Yeah, like, people question Picard all the time, and usually, even if he doesn't do the right thing or the thing that is asked, he will explain why he's doing what he's doing. Yes. There's nothing Picard like it's literally It's literally a plot point in the last episode of this show where he's like in the past version, he's ordering everyone around and no one trusts him enough to just follow his orders without asking for an explanation that he won't, he can't give. Because how can you explain time travel in Q to people who haven't experienced it yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a weird episode. Uh, and then they... so. The Romulans uh, are, are stopped. They cannot provide su- supplies to Loris and Beta. Uh, so, therefore, uh, Gowron's forces win. Um, kind of off screen because there's too much going on. Uh, so, they all go back to the throne room and uh, Gowron is crowned uh, as the Chancellor. Uh, and then Gowron gives um, Worf. Oh, fuck. What's his name again? What's the guy? The Tar. Ta- 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 what's, what's his name? The Klingon? Taral. Taral. Uh, basically hands Worf to Ra's life and is like gives him a knife and it's like his life is yours you may kill him in order to take back your honor this is your reward and Worf's like no I cannot do that because this is the end of an episode I will not murder this random child uh which is fair enough uh and then he's and then Garen and Khan are like well we'll do it then uh and Worf's like no his life was mine I believe I have rules lawyered this guy into staying alive <laughs> I have spared yeah. him uh and then decide that he cannot be like a, a true Klingon he must go back to his place in the status quo of the show <laughs> and yeah. leaves with Picard and nothing ever happened uh, it's. I, I kind of like the ending because uh, I like the fact that we did all this and the the victory is fucking Gowron's the president. Like, great. Well, there's also like this really weird, like almost good scene, except the rest of the episode's bad. Yes. Where Tural goes to Gor- Gowron, he's like, Duras family will one day rule the empire, and Gowron goes, perhaps, but not today, and does his crazy eyes, and it's like <laughs> almost aware of how cartoonish the Klingon politics are, but never actually gets there. Yeah, no, because this episode isn't really about Klingon politics because they brought the Romulans in. Yep. And then they had to write a wrap-up episode where it was all about Romulans, but not really. And then the needless to say, we did not like this episode. We did not like this episode. No, part one really interesting uh, and good, and part two kind of walks all that stuff back. Um, 
the the stuff with data like is good in theory but didn't need to be in this episode and also isn't even like well done in that context as well it just involves him doing a lot of lying to make drama happen yep uh which is always frustrating especially in star trek yeah a show where it is the most unbelievable that someone would ever hide their intention from anyone else on their ship yeah but yeah that's redemption redemption 2 so let's talk about sila and why she exists and is a mess so, so see so do you want me to, i was gonna do this all right, how much we're we going back to denise crosby season one the, the producers being shitty and everything well yeah i mean denise crosby left the show because the show sucked and literally there was a point where they thought they were just gonna fire all the women and replace them yeah uh and so she um, left, which is fair enough because they were really yes. awful to her Yes, uh, but then like start like the production crew changed and people still liked her. Like Star Trek became a big deal, and she's like, "Oh, maybe I could work with them in something. I have an idea for how we could get uh, for what we can do." And that was like yesterday's Enterprise stuff. They're like, "Oh, let's bring Denise back," and she enjoyed working with them. And so she thought of like, "Oh, maybe there's a weird loophole here," and she had this idea where. Uh, in that episode, Yar goes back in time because she knows she's going to die in the main timeline. And there's this guy, like, fucking Shooter McGavin that she's in love with. Um, and she was like, what if they, you know, had a baby in the past or whatever. And then the Romulans found that baby when they, like, captured the Enterprise C and raised it as a Romulan. And it's like, then you have a Romulan that looks like Tashi Yar but was raised as a Romulan. Uh, and can be the foil for everyone going forward. I get to be back in the show as like a supervillain. It'll be great. Uh, and then the producers were like, well, we don't understand the timeline enough of how she could have a kid and be pregnant and all that. So what if she was captured by Romulans? And it's like a weird, gross rape thing where the Romulans had her as like a concubine and then she was forced to have a kid and that fucking sucks. And this is what we get. Her original idea is so much better. <laughs> yes. Like what if a human raised completely on Romulus? Yes, what if Worf, but for Romulans? Yep. Uh, and it's a really good idea, and it could have legitimately been like a really good ongoing character. Uh, and then we yeah. get like a half version of that anyway, then they never do anything even with the potential of the like bad version. Yeah, all she does is spout off her tragic backstory and walks out of the plot again. And we, the one time we see her, she's like looking at a TV screen, like doing three-dimensional chess with Picard, and then all that's taken care of, like, wrapped the, up tightly. The scene where she and Picard talk about the backstory, Picard leaves it going, well, this won't change anything about how we interact. Yep. <laughs> like, he literally fucking says that. Yeah. Uh, so it's, yeah. It's not great. Because uh, it, it sucks. Because I, I really like Denise Crosby being on the show. Uh, it sucks yeah. that sh- uh, she didn't... Like, Yara is poorly written, and all of that is... Um, like, the acting is bad, but all of seasons on acting is bad. She is not a standout in bad acting in that season. No. Um, and uh, it would have been good to have... It would be good for this show to have, like, an actual villain that they can bounce off. Like, imagine if they put as much work into Sila as they did into Gold Ducat. Like, how fucking good TNG would be. That would, that would be really good, right? Because they don't have that many, like, really good recurring villains. But this is the recurring villain that, like, there's already a connection with the audience already like yep. a bond to all the characters on the show uh and it lets them do something with the the villains that they thought up but then made too powerful to do anything with. yeah like it makes them both vulnerable and interesting in a way that isn't just they're gonna kill everyone yep. um it's it's an incredible idea and then they couldn't even like bring it in because they're like that seems like it sucks just dismissed it and had to make it worse to do it yep um 
And then it's in a it's in a episode with like seven other plots happening at the same time. Yep. And none of them are really that good. You know. The one of Data trying to be captain and getting robot racism thrown at him is like a whole episode on its own and instead is given like six minutes. Yep, because in the actual episode version of that, you would like do that. That would be the first scene, but the actual conflict would be way more interesting than just robot racism. Yes, it, and it would resolve better than Data like yelling at this guy uh, in a way that just makes him sound like lore because Brent Spiner only has two tones, Data and Creep. <laughs> well, it's good that they made an episode where he had to play an entire civilization. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly cast. Yeah. Uh, and it's all just a shame. I don't know. Uh, it's nice to see like one of those Nebula class starships. It's good. Remember what... fucking tiny ass sh- ship. Uh, this is not related to this episode, but remember Nemesis where they didn't even cast her in that. God, you're right. Jesus Christ. She wanted to be in Nemesis, and there's a character in Nemesis who is literally just a uh, Romulan commander that, for no reason, assists the Enterprise other than out of a vague sense of loyalty. They could have just rewritten that part to be Sailor with like three lines but, of dialogue change. But also, that would be. I think that would even. I think that would still make me mad because imagine that like all of the wrap up of Sailor is that fucking Tom Hardy comes in and she turns good at, and then dies. I'm not. Mad at, I would be mad about that, but I just mean in terms of Crosby getting a paycheck. Yeah, that's fair. Like she should have been there for the final thing. That's not me and me mad about Sailor. That's but me instead, mad about instead Crosby. Instead, we live in a world where Sailor, for all accounts, still is out there and probably going to be in some books. I bet she's not in any books either. What are you talking about? She's a hundred percent going to be in some books. I hope so. We've got so but... we have so many next generation books. Yeah. Uh, maybe she'll be in the Picard show that will deal with the Romulus fallout. Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? That's the dumbest thing you've ever said to me. I was I was saying that knowing that. I know. I Don't know. you worry. They're not even oh, going to yeah. mention Romulus once. No. Uh, it's a real shame. This episode's just a fucking mess. Yep. But. And the weird part is, having watched these because I read the book first, is a lot of the ideas of the Klingon <laughs> stuff in this are just done in the book way better. The book is literally another Klingon civil war as a transfer of power to a news chancellor. You know. With, where a random son comes out of hiding to reveal himself. You know. But commanded by a more powerful woman. Like, it's exactly the same plot. Um, but I guess we can talk about that now. It's time to, time to talk about the book. Um... Speaking of books, I just looked it up and Sila's in like four books. That's not enough. Yes. Um, she does not matter. How many? What, what kind of books are we talking? Where's the, is there a way to see what they're in without saying what happens in them? Yes, uh, I will list the books. It is So there's one called The Romulan Stratagem, which sounds like it's one of those books that doesn't matter. Yes. Um, there's Triangle Imzadi 2, where I'm sure she does not play a big <gasps> Holy role. Holy shit. Oh, God, I don't want to read that, but we will. <laughs> There is a double helix novel, Double or Nothing. Oh, that doesn't matter. There's a TNG novel, Death in Winter, which does matter. That's the first one. Um, and then there's Typhon Pact, Rough Beast of Empire, and Ray- Rays of Dawn. And then a TNG novel called Indistinguishable from Magic. Okay, so there's a couple ones in the future, but I guess she shows up for the immediate nemesis aftermath in Death of Winter. She is in more Star Trek online missions than she is in (laughs) Star Trek books. You mean someone paid Denise Crosby to read some lines? Yes. (laughs) In fact, she is in memory beta. They have her picture of her in Star Trek online as like part of the character information. 
which is very good. Wait, is it a picture of her model? Or Yes, it's the character model from Star Trek Online. Wait, what is it? Because like she's her. probably older than that. Like, No, she just looks like her. Oh, it's like 20 years later. Form. Yeah, but she's half Romulan. I don't know. Okay. That's looks like she has a much fancier costume on. That's fair. I can send you this photo. It will not play on the radio, but here you go. Are we still on the podcast? Yes, this is absolutely the podcast. <laughs> I thought we were on break. No. <laughs> okay. reading for this month is The Left Hand of Destiny, book one, written by J.G. Hertzler and Jeffrey Lang. Um, it came out in April 2003, and it is set in 2376, uh, which is immediately after what we leave behind. Like Memory Beta says it's set in 2375, Jackson. Um, Memory Alpha says 2376, so who do you want to trust? Memory beta, I think. Okay, fair. <laughs> uh, I mean, wh- when is when is what we leave behind take place? I don't know. No, what you leave behind? Shit. Um, that is twenty three seventy five. So yes, yep. more correct. Yeah, um, I'm gonna do my best to summarize this book. I don't have a good summary. Uh, not much happens. But here we go. Uh, I guess I'll probably just summarize it and then we'll talk about it after the summary. Yeah. Um, so the book begins with uh, Worf and Martok heading back on the flagship. Fuck, was, is it a ship from DS9? Uh, like, yes. Pretty sure. Uh, let me find the name of the ship. Why is the name of the ship on the... Why have they listed everything except the name of the ships and... You know, you know what's really bad sometimes? Memory beta when it comes to shit like this. Yep. It's like the Nevak or something. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Whatever. Anyway, they're on the ship. Heading back to Kronos. Uh, and he's going to like land and be uh, go through the ceremony and everything. Uh, Martok is not happy about this because obviously he's Martok. Uh, he has no time for this kind of bullshit. Um and just kind of wants to get on with it, but understands that he has to like play the role of the uh, of the chancellor. It's not really for him; it's for everyone else. Like this pageantry exists to uh, give a sense of stability in the empire, and he understands this. And he's very like, I guess I will go through this bullshit so I can make the Klingon Empire better. This is so much worse than being a soldier. Oh God, a <laughs> um, lot of introspective Martog because obviously it's written by. Uh, J.G. Hustler, uh, partially. I don't know. I never know what the balance are in these, right? Yeah, um, who can say? Who can right. say? The only one I know uh, 
is written by the guy is the Andrew Robertson book. Yeah. Uh, Cause he made a big thing about, I didn't have a co-writer. Uh, so uh, they go back there and they're all about to land and get on with this. But then out of nowhere, the Klingon hall of honor is just blown up, just completely destroyed. Uh, yep. And there is a massive attack on, uh, in the, the first city in Chris. I don't think it gets a name. I think it's just the first city. Um, so there's a big attack. Everyone has to deal with that. Uh, a uh, Klingon a- appears and is uh, doesn't even have the name on Memory Alpha. This is useless. It only has the no Mordjon. Are you talking about Mordjon? Yeah, I'm talking about Mordjon. Well, but there, blah 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 blah. Yes, uh, Mordjon. Um, yes, and Mordjon is like, uh, hey, I'm a Klingon who's gonna actually make things better. I'm gonna like, you know. Uh, we need to fight the real enemy, and the real enemy is Worf, because Worf is just a Federation lackey who chose our last... Well, I guess Picard chose the other one. Basically, it was like, Federation have chosen two chances in a row. Worf, like, was instilled the last one and then murdered him as if he can take that back, which is, yes. which is a fair critique. You've yeah. got him there. Uh, and now he's brought a new Chancellor here. Now, nah, we're going to take... We're going to take... um. Uh, Klingon back for the Klingons. Uh, Kronos back for the Klingons. It's Klingon back for the fuck. Uh, <laughs> Kronos back for the Klingons. We're, oh, the planet Kling. The planet, from TOS. Right, yes. So glad they changed that. Uh, everyone uh, in the in the city is like, oh shit. Uh, either like the Klingons run away and just kind of look out for themselves, or they are stilled by this and charge up uh, with Mordjord and take part in this coup. Um, there is hysteria everywhere. Garon doesn't... Not Garon. Martok does not have any allies now. Uh, the ship is attacked. They are, like, shot down, uh, but Worf, like, does an emergency beam out to save a few people. Martok is not happy about this because then Mordjord is all like, well, also he's a coward because he saved himself and the rest of the ship died. Uh, looking yeah. bad for Martok. Uh, meanwhile, during this, um, Alexander, uh, Alexander Rizenko, uh, Worf's son, you may remember, uh, this is post-DS9 soldier uh, Alex, um, is on Kronos, who was going to the to the hall, the Great Hall, to meet Worf. Uh, but then this attack happened, and as he is a member of the House of Martok, he is now hunted, so has to run away, uh, but sucks at that because he's Alexander. <laughs> Um, yep. But luckily, gets help from a a, a friendly Ferengi called Farrar. Uh, it is Farrar a character we've seen before? No, he's totally okay. Right. So this implies that more that like Moogie is a common name for Ferengi mothers. Yes, no, it is. Okay, I thought that yeah. was just uh, Rom. I didn't know that. No, was... no, no. Okay, that caught me off guard. It's been long enough since I watched it that I didn't remember. I just thought yeah, that was Rom. No, that's just a thing. <laughs> that's weird. I like that better as just being Rom. That's how I remembered that. <laughs> Anyway, that's the part of the bit I'm going to get hung up on in this summary. <laughs> anyway, uh, for our rescues, Alex, and they all like head out of the city. Um, meanwhile, like also caught up in this is uh, Cirella, uh, Martok's wife, um, who uh, needs to uh, like who goes to Mordor and like basically gets captured to save everyone else at the mansion because uh, Cirella rules. Yeah, Cirella's the best. Cirella is one of the best characters. Uh, didn't get enough to do in DS9. Doesn't get enough to do in this, but she is the best. Yeah, um, and the book knows that she's the best. Yes, to be fair, <laughs> some real good good bits with her. Uh, so she gets captured, um, but uh, like the uh, is it is it just uh, who is what's uh, the guy's name? He's not on this. Is um it's ah uh, fuck. What's his name? 
the older guy, the older Klingon. It's not in this uh, memory alpha memory beta page. Uh, I don't think it matters like, that much. I wouldn't worry about it. Gork, it's definitely it's got an A in there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, he is like a long term. Uh, I I don't think he's like anyone's dad. I don't I don't think he's a, uh, like her father or anything. I think he's just like a long time uh, aide of the um of the Martok house. Um, yeah. And so gets about to first of all he has to save Drex, which is Martok's son, uh, and then eventually, uh, like is saved by um, uh, War uh, not Wolf by Alex and Farah, and everyone kind of gets together. Uh, but as that is happening, everyone gets together. But Martok has gone off on his own, so we cut away from that for a while as Martok, like alone, treks to the first city to try to save Sorella, who is scheduled to be executed tomorrow. And he's like, "No, we can't kill Sorella. She's the best character, and my wife." Yes. <laughs> uh, and is uh, trekking, trekking, making this long trek while having a lot of introspection about what his whole deal is. Um, he is no longer the chancellor. He is no longer a general. He is just a man who needs to find his wife, um, and is like has a bunch of interesting introspection about like I feel bad that I don't know where my kids are, but I don't know my kids because I've been a Klingon general my whole life. Oh fuck, this is probably a life poorly lived. Um, eventually, gets Sorella with the help of Far, uh, who completely recognizes him instantly, uh, and uh, takes his like chancellor's ring as payment, and he's like, bring that back to me when I'm chancellor again, if I'm chancellor again, and I'll pay you well. If not, sell it, because the other guy ain't having it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is maybe the coolest thing anyone in Star Trek has ever done in the history of Star Trek. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Martok goes in, infiltrates the base by, like, stealing a single uniform, and then a bunch of guys don't even notice him, and are like, oh, it sucks that Martok's probably dead. And he's like, yes, they'll follow me. Because <laughs> Martok's still a bit of an idiot. Uh, he finds Sorella, uh, but uh, it is he is caught unawares, and then the, like, uh, people who are behind this plot uh, reveal themselves, and it is Mojod and his mother. Uh, name is not here. What's his mother's name? Do we have that? Oh, it's in here. Give me a second. Give me just a second. Uh, Morjad's mother's name is Gothmara. Gothmara, yes. Uh, Gothmara is a former partner of Martok, uh, and Morjad is a child that uh, she has had. I don't think I don't think Martok knows that, that Morjad existed until now, right? Is yes, no, absolutely not. Um, so uh, he sees the son that he, uh, he used to have, and Gothmara has like raised uh, him in order to like uh, oppose. Uh, Martok, who has, and his whole thing, Mordred's whole thing, and uh, Gothmara's whole thing has basically been political maneuvering and assassinations um, under the cover of the war so that when the war ended, they could strike when the Klingon Empire was weakest and basically have everyone in position, like all their supporters in high enough positions that no one would oppose them, which they did. Mm -hmm. Success. Well done. Um, And now all they have to do is kill Martok, and that's it. They they are the new leaders of the Klingon Empire. Uh, And at this point, they don't appear to be like, there's no Romulans back in them. This is just the Klingon thing. Um, Yeah. uh, But uh, uh, when they're about to, like, you know, kill everyone and be like, we have won, Worf beams in with Alex and Farah and everyone and a bunch of uh, Klingons. Also, please, you can't call him Alex. This is making my brain hurt. It's called Alex. (laughs) He has never been called Alex once in the history of Star Trek. It is always Alexander. It beams in with Alexander. <laughs> oh, my worst son of Moog and my son, Alex. <laughs> That's his name! 
Alexander. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> was that was that hurting you every time? It's yes, it's killing me. <laughs> okay, so we'll be doing with Alexander. I guess that does feel better. <laughs> uh, they save uh, Martok and Sorella, but uh, he, uh, Worf has to like stop uh, Martok before he can kill Morjod, uh, because there's still another book to go after this. Uh, they like take refuse on whose ship but the clone of Kaelas. Remember when that happened? <laughs> yeah, clone of Kaelas still out there yep. being the figurehead emperor of the Klingon Empire. I was like, oh right, that right, yes, that did happen. Uh, yep. And Kalos is like, uh, no, you're the guy, Martok, because you hate this and you suck. And like, no one is more suitable than you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's all like, no, Garon saw me as a rival and didn't realize that I also don't want to do this. <laughs> uh, yes. And because you don't want to do this the most, that means you're the one. <laughs> and Martok's like, I yeah. guess I see your point. This sucks. <laughs> no one's going to follow me. I'm a clone, which is fair. <laughs> which is fair. Um, and so he just kind of sits there on the ship, like, I guess we are, we're screwed now, and we've got to kind of try to mount a resistance, and I have to present a brave face so people can, like, look to me for inspiration as I go rescue uh, the Klingon Empire from these um, usurpers. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we end, because, um, except there's one more scene. <laughs> uh, as the the thing is, like, we have to retaliate. Uh, how do we get people to follow behind Martok? Because he's just some shitty dude. And we love him, but who's going to follow that? We have to make Martok into a symbol. How do we do that? And how Wolf does that is to text Esri now. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand what possible answer to this happening there is that will fulfill any of the questions I have. <laughs> the next, if the next book begins and the Wolf goes, sorry, I meant now we have to do this new thing. <laughs> said that's a bit too early i needed you to explain some more context that would be way better i like the idea that warp was like now i have 17 scenarios planned for what might go wrong and i'll need your help and these are the words i'm using to describe the scenarios yep because it requires like esri to have been pre-planned by wolf to have a bunch of different like oh no well, no, a single plan that is to be put in motion if something happens to martok which yeah. with one communication can get through yes like now means that martok is alive but been overthrown go means that martok's <laughs> dead and we need to find a new <laughs> chancellor <laughs> oh it's pretty good help means that alexander and martok are dead uh Please means that Martok's evil and we need to go stop him. <laughs> what a ridiculous... I mean, I can believe Worf doing that is the worst part. <laughs> um, uh, I, can, I, I can believe Worf doing that. I don't think Ezri's the person he would give that list to. I mean, the, this whole book is basically an entire book based on one scene of DS9. And it's not even the scene yes. where he kills Garon. Uh, no. <laughs> It's the scene where Ezri tells him that the Klingon Empire sucks, and then he goes and kills Garon based on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's like, the Klingon Empire sucks and is dying, and you need to do something about that, or just let it happen, I guess, because that's another alternative. Uh, and is it even worth saving? And that's all the stuff that is in the air in this book. No conclusions reached, because this is the most part one of a book we've read. Can an entire book be an inciting incident? Yeah. Um, interested to see where the next one goes. 
Also, this entire book is predicated on the Klingons going, ah, it really sucks that Martok is the second instilled in power by the Federation. Worf is just a puppet of the humans. And then Worf, the first time shit hits the fan, goes back to the Federation and says, please help us get Martok in power. <laughs> I do, do, do people realize this is what Worf is? <laughs> um, I wonder. Uh Worf might actually be the like most horrible Klingon in the history of Klingons. He might be. Um, I could. There's a oh we we didn't talk about it in the episodes, but there's a fucking scene in one of the re uh, in the episodes we watched where Picard is talking to Worf and he's like, "The thing I always admired about you, Mister Worf, was your humanity." Like that's not right. the most racist fucking thing to say to like, someone you know who's how not you kind of technically uncomfortable the, of all the soldiers and that his was the most human line is, but you it gets yes. away with it because. Star Trek was kind of more general then, uh, and also that and also owns, he's half human, and also he's half human. Like it, it, there are multiple lines where that is fine, um, you yeah. know, and I can accept that, and I can cry every time. Uh, I cannot <laughs> abide fucking Picard going like you have empathy and decision making, and you're good. You're the you're the most human Klingon. <laughs> Fuck Literally, you. Literally, you are one of the good ones because you're like us. <laughs> like holy shit! Especially yes. considering like how. Like through Worf, they like lean on um, like the Klingons as a metaphor for like blackness. Uh, which yes. well, you were saying how about how like obvious it is that uh, Kern and Worf are very clearly the only black Klingons. Yes, <laughs> which it really is. Yeah, like there's other ones in DS9, especially yes. where they realize what they've done. <laughs> but uh... yeah, <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> but Martok is white as hell. Yeah, and we all love Martok, but yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a lot. It's weird. It's weird, yeah. No. But yeah, this book is interesting because like I don't hate it, but God, nothing really happens in it. <laughs> it's the first half of a book. Um so the th- the thing I was looking up and I found I found a description of the creative process as described oh, by uh, Jeffrey. Is Lang. this from that one book? Uh it's just in memory by beta tucked into a bad page where I had to dig for it. Yeah, because I can't um, see this page. Yes. So, uh, J.J. Hertzler delivered a detailed outline and then a first draft, and then they gave it to Lang because uh, J.J. Hertzler had to go do something else. And then he writes, well, his draft was fascinating. It wasn't exactly a novel. In fact, it read much more like a play, a Shakespearean play at that. (laughs) All the characters spoke in very high-flown language and were bigger than life. Yes! It was exhilarating and exhausting. As I recall, and it's been a while, I tried to reuse as much of J.J.'s prose as I could, but it was very difficult to incorporate. Key speeches were used, but I had to pretty much start over from chapter one and retool with an eye toward making it novel-like. Inevitably, I ended up adding characters and scenes. I'm very proud of Far, the Frankie character. He was all mine. Oh, shit. Right. Okay. Okay, I'm looking at this. Right, so J.J. did way more because he's talking about Section 31 Abyss. Yes. (laughs) Which was also co-written by him. Yes. Which uh, he wrote more of, I guess, and the other guy didn't do very much. Um, Yeah. Which makes sense because the other guy is the guy who wrote an episode. Yeah. Um... So he was doing it, but then time constraints means that he had to, like, wring an actual Star Trek novel out of the most ridiculous Shakespearean Klingon novel. Yeah, no, they asked J.G. Herschel to write a book about Martok, and he gave them, like, 200 pages of speeches, which sounds like the greatest thing possible, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, no, I I can see why that would be a terrible book for you to, like, read, Uh, but God. Which makes, which is... 
it's unfathomable that Far was not in that first draft because him giving the ring to Far and being like, bring this back to me or sell it if I die <laughs> is the most Shakespearean ass shit that's ever happened. Yeah. Oh God, it's cool. Uh, that makes a lot of the dialogue in this book make a lot of sense. I'm like, this is a very arch in a way that like I'm fine with, but I would have... I mean, it's Klingon. Like, Klingons are supposed to be a little arch, well, I feel. Like. I was. I just don't know how much that would translate into the book, right? Because, like, the prose yeah. is arch as well. Like, it's not just the people speaking. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, he's like, Far's a completely him invention. That's crazy, adding Far. He's so central. How would Alexander have not yeah. died? <laughs> also, Far is, like, a really interesting, like another fringy that's kind of like quirk but like even more like he's so over like the problems of like being a ferengi that he's just willing to be like martok's like page in this story it's really good yeah um i'm glad that when he's like when writing this he's like i need another character who isn't a klingon who do i bring in obviously a ferengi obviously yep and it just like really adds texture as a ferengi that is not not he he's like He's not like Rom where it's like, oh, he's a Ferengi, but one of the good ones. He's just a Ferengi. But the way in which Ferengi and Klingons interact at Martok specifically is like really good and interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Like these two these two aliens who feel like different cultures, but know how to interact probably better than humans do with either of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, because humans fucking suck. And when we get to like, when we come back to DS9, Ezri's like, oh, what's Worf doing? Did something stupid happen to Klingons again? <laughs> like, the Federation hasn't had contact from their embassy because it fucking blew up. And they're like, oh, probably a big party on Chrono. Some bullshit happened once again. Like, remember that time they blew up the moon and didn't ask for help? What if that happened again? We're not going to find out. We're going to wait for them to tell <laughs> us. Already go, it could be on the scale of them blowing up a moon. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be trusted. Dumb Klingon. <laughs> Uh, which is ridiculous. Uh, another thing that you need to tell me if this is established anywhere else, because they there is a piece of technology that they make up in this, which I think is crazy. Um, which is which is the flare. So they talk the, the embassy talk about the flare, uh, which is a like all of the communication goes down. Yeah, and, and they can't basically send a transmission through regular means, and they're like, we have to activate the flare, which is a remote. Uh, like a small, basically a small drone that can fly into space and get free of any atmospheric disturbances. Uh, but it is cloaked and shielded. Uh, yeah, no, that's not a real thing. Like, hang on, the Federation have cloaked drones at every one of their embassies? <laughs> Fuck you! No, no. The actual answer is that the Federation have cloaked drones on the Klingon embassy <laughs> because they don't trust the Klingons and nowhere else. Uh, see, that's funny and good, but they, they play it like, oh, I think there might even be a line like, oh, this is what this is how we do and this is the standard procedure is to activate the flare. And I'm like, hang on, you can't just have a cloaked thing that can surpass all communication blocks. That's not allowed. That's a big yeah. deal. That's like a really fucking yeah. evil thing to do. Well, don't worry because they don't ever use it and it doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely just comes in for a few lines, and is the very yeah, they just they just mention that they have this weird like civil rights violating treaty breaking bullshit technology, and then they don't use it. I like that just this podcast has aligned with our politics in such a way that it, by the like end of this this decade, we're just gonna be like fuck the Federation, everything we want all the villains to win every time. <laughs> no, that's not true. I'll never want Shinzon to win ever. Okay, that's true. Not all. I guess they just make the villains suck. Yeah. They need a villain who's good. Who's a villain? A Star Trek villain that's good and right. Uh, I mean, Goldukat is good. He is not right. <laughs> uh, is Goldukat good? What? What? He's evil. 
I mean, he's good in like a way that he is relatable and you understand where he's coming from. Yeah, but he's also a rapist who is an evil person who would kill everyone. Kaiwin also sympathetic and interesting. Kaiwin is sympathetic and interesting. Kaiwin might be the right answer here, actually. Uh, I think the real answer is they never, they fucking never did right by the McKee. Like it should have been a McKee character and they never did it. No, absolutely. But Kaiwin's whole thing is she. Like, Cisco comes in and says, I've seen the prophets. She's like, I don't actually think people talk to gods. You just said that to get power. And everyone in Star Trek would agree with her, except everyone on the show. <laughs> that would be any... Like, if, if Picard flew in to any episode... Yeah. In fact, I'm fairly sure, like, when they meet the devil, they literally do this. Yeah, he's like, oh, this is all superstitious nonsense. <laughs> Let's upset your religion and then beam out of here because the episode's over. Whereas Kaiwin's like, you can't do that. I... I'm calling your bluff. Nope. Nope. Turns out gods are real. Cisco's talked to them. He might be one of them. (laughs) Uh, We're going to find out in a couple books. Yep. We'll see how that goes. I guess that's it. I guess we have reached the end of the episode. Yeah. uh, This stuff is interesting. Klingon politics stuff. It's much better than the actual episodes we watched about talking about the same stuff because they don't have the Romulans be behind everything. Uh, There's Um, still time. Yeah, let's see. I mean, the problem is that uh, Martok's fake son, whose name I don't remember. Drek. Uh, Drex. Yeah, he, he's super boring. Yeah, and the other ones die off screen. Yep. His other children are all dead. No, no, not Drex, the, the villain. Oh, uh, Morjog. Yeah, Morjog's fucking... Like, in the text of the book, he sucks. He's like, oh, he's just like a weak, like, kind of... He's like a King Joffrey character, and the real power is with his mother whose name I don't remember again, uh, Gothmar. Gothmar, yeah. Yeah. Who has, like, weird Discovery era Klingon, like, super-powered voice magic? Yeah, I couldn't tell if that was just... So they write... They basically write the scene where all the riots break out as if there is something in the transmission that is controlling people's mind. And yes. I couldn't tell if it was just th- this has tapped into something in the Klingons, like, well, their desire to, like, throw off the, uh, like, you know... Um, the Federation influence and they were just waiting for a spark like this or if he literally had mind control powers in his voice so they play it they play it multiple ways where there's like a bit where Martok implies that like this usurping like touched into like the Klingon society is built on this so much that it tapped into like a myth that everyone believes in their bones and like everyone's almost like repeating history in like a doom to go through this again kind of like a like original Kalos Mordred kind of stories or whatever that guy's name is yeah. right but also, at one point, they mentioned that Gothmara has something called Voice, capital V Voice, that she used, because Sorella spots it or whatever. Or it might be in a bit where we actually get a little bit of Gothmara's, like, internal monologue, mm-hmm. which implies that she has some, like, weird, like, witchy Klingon powers, which is fair enough because Discovery, like, floats that idea. But if we get to the point where we're talking about, like, different Klingon po- houses have, like, weird societies and powers i want those books please i would like to read them that sounds great i mean th- this book has a bunch of like sequels that are just Klingon books there's like a whole Klingon series oh does the i guess Garon stuff come out of this yes this okay. is the, the kickoff to all the like separate because they basically were like we're having the main series and we have to have wolf go back to the enterprise to do all that stuff because we can't make star trek books without wolf so let's just make some Klingon books yeah let's make some Klingon books um which i don't hang on let me look at the Look at the thing. Yeah, I don't don't know exactly, but yes, it does definitely tie into that. Um, That's it for now. 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, I I like I like Martok a whole lot. Him just being like this most rundown fucking uh, disrespected king, like sitting on slag heaps of trash, <laughs> wondering what happened to his planet, is so good. Didn't even like, get I'm to really the king. glad that this is a Martok book and not a Worf book yes. because that would have been insufferable. <laughs> if you get the impression that if um, like this wasn't written by JJ Hutzler, anyone else would have just put this as a Worf book. Yeah, um, and it, he's barely in it as like a point of view character, which is the right choice. Um, yeah, because Worf's point of view is like limited. It's much more interesting to look at how other people view Worf than like Worf's internal monologue. Because you know, Worf's just like, "Well, this is the right thing to do. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, we got a list, and we'll follow it. And then when things are bad, we'll call the Federation for help. Like Worf, yeah. <laughs> holy shit! I'll show up my people. <laughs> like Worf, you're so evil. Yeah. God damn, Worf! I didn't really because I, I always thought that like him going to uh be this ambassador position and like bridge this gap in his identity to bridge this gap in his identity was like a really cool ending for him uh yeah and like one of the like like taking a step to distance himself from just being federation defined and then this book going like no this is actually the exact opposite of that what just he like (laughs) brings all of that to cling on politics and how much of a disaster that would immediately be yep (sighs) yeah it's a lot uh it's really interesting. I hope this all shakes out well. Will this be like the actual two-parters in TNG where all the second half just tidies us all up and backpedals incredibly? Um, I assume it'll be slightly more like Avatar Part 2 where it's not quite that, but it's mostly just a lot of action stuff and then wrap up. Oh, right. I, there's going to be a big fight. I'm not interested in a big fight. There's going to be a big Klingon war. Uh, you just want them to like talk for a bit. <laughs> yeah, no, I want the big speeches. I want the Shakespeare. <laughs> Yeah, no, I want that original draft. So he probably had to like write it in a hundred page sequence where there's a war. How is there not like two episodes of DS9 that are actually just a Klingon opera? <laughs> it's honestly fucked up that in all of Star Trek they have not yet made a Klingon opera. Yep. That's it. If you want to send us questions, you can send them to podcast at We received one question this week, but it was about Bolana Torres, so we're not going to answer it. Jackson hasn't seen Voyager, and I really do for a rewatch. I think Balan is great, but that's foggy memory at this point. So, sorry for the person who asked. We don't really have Balan Torres comments. Anyway. Yeah, that's it. Uh, we'll be back next uh, month with two more episodes. We have... Jackson, what are they called? Because uh, you know I flip them every time. What? Unification? The episodes for next month. It's not reunification, Jackson. What are you talking about? Which is it? Birthright or is it? Oh, birthright uh, or redemption? No, it's birthright. This this week, this time was redemption. This yes, yeah. we're watching Birthright Part One and Part Two, um, and then we are reading The Left Hand of Destiny Book Two. Yes. So that's our stuff. Jackson, plug the network and your Twitter, please. Uh, I am a head force off on Twitter. The network is at abnormalmapping There's a bunch of stuff there. We have a new show um, that we're hosting. Uh, which we don't have anything to do with. So if you would like your show to fill that spot, that is part of our like free hosting service. Uh, it's called Play My Podcast. It's an actual play podcast. Uh, it is on the network right now. You can email us and like ask for your show to be on the network. All we need is like a sample episode, and it's free. It's cool. Um, and we also have uh, a bunch of other podcasts. You know, and we, the Amory Score is back on a bi-weekly schedule again, which is cool. Yeah, people seem to be excited about that. Does I need mayo.com. I need mayo.com. There you go. Is mayo appear in these this last episode? I have not listened to uh, it yet. Yes, but only briefly. Oh, that's a shame. It seems like that's always the answer. <laughs> mayo is not. For our need for him is never matched. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, yes, but that's the network. Why are you on Twitter? Uh, you, you, uh, you can support us, by the way, on patreoncom mapping. You can be on episodes. You make, make us read books and watch stuff that is not the stuff we would be doing normally. Uh, you also get our Gundam podcast for one dollar a month, uh, the Great Gundam Project, where we watch Gundam every week and talk about it. Uh, it is the reason why we have increasingly gone lefter and lefter as we watch Star Trek over the past year. <laughs> it has nothing to do with Star Trek and everything to do with Gundam, and it's ridiculous. It's not uh, just I mean, it's, it's also the world, but of yeah. analyzing Gundam on a week to week basis with a bunch of leftists on like in in our circles, it's really yeah. been a crucible for us to just think about the politics and the shows we watch. Um, but you know, it's a good time. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at em em underscore being, I think that's all I've got. We'll be back next month with the end of this and more good Klingon episodes. Those are the ones where I think there's like actually really interesting stuff in them. Like thematically. Yes. Um, there's some of my favorite TNG episodes. Anyway. And also Bashir. uh, All right. And Bashir. Yeah. That's not the stuff I care about (laughs) at all, but it is in there. (laughs) Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Yes, uh, until next time, I will see you out there. Oh, oh.